My bad. Got one thing to say. Did y'all notice something about that that I did? There was no evidence that Ricky Tanner did anything except eat, <laughs> sleep, and pose for pictures. Did y'all notice that? Maybe because he is doing the camera, I know, but still, just wanted to point that out. Couldn't help but noticing it. One of my favorite things when I was a youth minister was coming back um, from the trips because whenever you come back from a trip like that, there is a fire inside of you. Um, and it's a fire that you can't describe. And it's a fire inside of you that unless you've been on a mission trip to where you have spent your whole week doing nothing but living Jesus, breathing Jesus, eating Jesus, drinking Jesus, you can't understand it. The closest thing that I can describe it to was the moment that uh, you got saved. That fire that dwelled inside of you when you got saved, that passion, it's the closest thing that I can say that comes to it. But youth, I want to challenge you on something. The work wasn't what made your trip great. The lack of AC wasn't what made your trip great. I know that's a fact. What made your trip so memorable and so impactful on your life was every single moment was about Jesus. Every single thing you did was in the name of Jesus, whether it was serving this lady, whether it was fellowshipping together, whether it was digging into the word, every bit of it was about Jesus. And it can continue. It can continue, but it's up to you. See, one of our downfalls, one of our downfalls as human beings is naturally we gravitate back to what we always know. Even once we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, there tends to be a gravitation of something pulling us back to the sinful nature that we have always known. And in Hebrews chapter one, I said 13 while ago, we're gonna talk a little bit about that. But this isn't something that's new, guys. This is something that we all battle. We all battle this gravitation of falling back to what we know. In 1565, when Rio de Janeiro was founded, its proper name was São Sebastian do Rio de Janeiro, which was in honor of Saint Sebastian, a third century Christian who was clubbed to death for warning a Roman emperor about his sins. The name of the city was a reminder, was a reminder for the whole city to remember your sins. We have a new opportunity before us. We have this wide open expanse before us, but if we're not careful, we'll fall back into our old ways. And you know what's amazing? The people, the Portuguese people that settled Rio de Janeiro, they remembered their sins real quick. The only problem is they remembered how to practice them and not how to stay away from them. In the early 90s, the Catholic circle of Rio proposed a construction of a 100-foot statue of Jesus Christ overlooking the city. This was the second time this proposal had been made. The first time it was rejected because it conflicted with separation of church and state. But the Catholic Church pursued this because they saw, they saw what was going on in the city. 
and they saw it as godlessness. And the Roman Catholics wanted to put up a reminder, not a reminder of their former name to remember their sins, but they wanted to put up a monument that would cause people to remember their Redeemer. That's how the statue of Christ the Redeemer come to be about. It was all about pointing people back to their Redeemer. And this is something that all of us have to have happen in our lives. We constantly have to be pointed back to our Redeemer. A lot of people will say, well, you need to remember your sins. Well, we're good at remembering our sins and we're good at remembering how to practice them. But what we're not good at is we're not good at focusing on the thing that we should all be focusing on, mainly Jesus. Even in our lives today, we need to be reminded of Christ, our Redeemer. And over the next several months, and I do mean this, we're gonna be doing just that as we go through the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews has the same message. Remember your Savior. Remember your Redeemer. Remember Jesus. And in chapter one, it gets into a lot of detail of this. The book of Hebrews is written to a group of individuals, a group of individuals who had come very close to reverting back to what they have always known. Now, don't get me wrong. What we've always known is not always a bad thing, is it? It's not always a bad thing unless what we've always known is wrong. I've grown up in a time to where I've seen a lot of things that were practiced in the early, earlier church as wrong. I've heard a lot of things said from pulpits just like this that were wrong. I've lived a lot of things in my life that were wrong. And every single one of those issues come about because a finger was being pointed at us and our attention was not being drawn to Christ. So in Hebrews chapter one, let's see what the writer has to say to these people and let's look at how it can apply to us. Chapter one, verse one. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of, the, of on high, having become as much better than, uh, <clears throat> having become as much better than the angels, as he has an inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he, being God, ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him and he shall be my son. 
And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Holy Son, of the only Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And your righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you. If the oil of gladness above your, with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but, your name, but you remain and they all will become like a garment and like a mantle. You will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed, but you are the same and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of of those who will inherit salvation. I'll ask you a question. I've got to put notes on my sermon illustrations. It's kind of like a shared refrigerator. And y'all got a shared refrigerator at work? You put, something, you put something in there. If you don't mark it, it gets moved. I'll put sermon illustrations up here all the time. Tommy don't know it. He just thinks he's cleaning house. He moves them and I can't find them. So I got to put notes on them. But I'll ask you a question. What's this? How do you know it's a light bulb? Hmm? It's a light bulb, you're correct. How do you know it's a light bulb? Because it looks like a light bulb. You know it from previous knowledge. You know it because somebody else told somebody else that this is a light bulb. They showed them how it works. They showed them what to do with it. But how did they know it was a light bulb? Huh? Somebody told them. This is a created object. This has a creator. This one, matter of fact, is Phillips. But before Phillips, somebody else created this. If that person had created this, and not told anybody what it was. Would we know what this is? No, we wouldn't. No, we wouldn't. The main thing that the writer of Hebrews is trying to get back to is this. You have a religion. You have a religion that you have known all of your life. You know this religion because, like it said in verse one, God spoke. But somewhere over the time, you have forgot what exactly God spoke. There's a couple of things that the writer points out here that are very important to us. And I'm going to go through these real quick because I want to get back to this. It says he spoke 
It says he spoke through the prophets. All of us know who the prophets are. Most of us know who the prophets are. Maybe not in order, maybe not exactly all the names of them, but we know what a prophet is. A prophet is an interpreter or a teller of a message from God. God spoke to Isaiah. God spoke to Jeremiah. God spoke to Jonah. God spoke to Zacharias. And why did God speak to all these people? So they could take that message and tell somebody else. And a lot of people will say, well, didn't God speak to everybody? No, God didn't speak to everybody. And I'm going to tell you why God didn't speak to everybody. God didn't speak to everybody because everybody doesn't listen. God does not speak to everybody because everybody doesn't listen. God speaks to those who listen, but very few of us take any time to really listen. Not only that, it says he also spoke to us and to others through angels. The word angel is a word that brings about this picture. It brings about this picture of this figure in a white garment with wings, with a halo. All of us have this picture that pops in our minds when we think about angel. I do not know where this picture come from. Just like half of the pictures of Jesus that we have today. I have no idea where people get these, this mindset of what angels look like. Because when I think about or read about an angel, I see something totally different. You see the cherubim, four winged angels with four heads, scary looking. It's not something you'd want to see. I see the seraphim with two wings covering their head, two wings covering their feet, and two wings flying. Again, this isn't something that I'd want to see. But then we also see other angels. We see other angels all throughout the Bible. And you know what I've noticed about all the other angels throughout the Bible? There are no wings. Matter of fact, most people think that they're human beings. Most people think that they are just normal, everyday individuals. So where did all this come from? Again, it's stuff that we've learned that has no truth. But the truth is, is that God used these individuals to speak to many. But there's something else you need to realize. God spoke to the prophets. God spoke to the angels. And if you are a true believer in God, if you are a true believer in his son, he has also spoke to you. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior and King, he has spoke to you. He has called you by name. He has told you he loves you. And he has showed you he loved you by his sacrifice on the cross. Communication over the years, guys, it's one of those things that I really don't understand because it has went amazingly fast in just my lifetime. When I was a kid and I wanted to call a girlfriend, I had to go up to a wall, <laughs> like that wall over there. I pulled a handset off of the phone that had a cord on it. And I had to sit there at that cord and have that conversation. 
I wanted some, exactly, yeah, where'd that come from? I wanted some privacy, so you know what I did one year when I got a job? I bought a 25-foot cord because it was about 20 feet to the front door and that was the only way that I could have any privacy whatsoever to talk to a girl. Then they come out with these things called cell phones. And the first cell phones don't look anything like the cell phones we have today. The first cell phones come in a suitcase. How many of y'all have one? It had a battery life. It had a battery. I kid you not. It had a battery ever bit the size of that hymnal. And that battery life was five minutes. That's it. There was no texting. There was hardly any cell service. And one phone call, one phone call could cost you a minimal of $3. Think about that by how many phone calls you make today. Time progressed. We got smaller cell phones with better batteries, thank God. And these smaller cell phones, y'all remember the old Nokia candy bar phones? Who had one? That sucker was indestructible. Y'all remember that? That thing would fall off cars. That thing would be submerged in water. That thing could go through the gates of hell themselves and still get a call out. The service was impeccable. You could have service at the bottom of the ocean or the top of the mountain. There's the best cell phone I ever had. But then they started coming out with this new form of messaging called SMS. Most of you don't know what SMS is, but you use it every day. SMS was the first form of text messaging. Okay? Now again, we did not have the capabilities that you guys had today. You ever look at an old phone that has 12 buttons? We used to text with that. A, 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 well, no, not A, A, no A, no A, because A wasn't anything. But you remember sitting there, guys, C, 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 B, B, C, C, B, B, four time. I mean, you had to go back and forth. You had to touch the number multiple times to get it to pull up. This was aggravating. This was aggravating. This is why texting did not take off until really the invention of the iPhone. Yeah, there was a lot of people who text, but when the iPhone came out, this revolutionized text messaging. Then, with the iPhone, not only is text messaging revolutionized, also FaceTime is revolutionized. You ever heard why FaceTime was invented? FaceTime was invented because of this one thing. They realized that a phone call or a text message didn't have the same feeling as a face-to-face -face interaction. There's only one difference with FaceTime though. FaceTime only shows you what the camera can see. We all know this, we've all experienced it. Do you know how many pastors preached in shorts during COVID? They looked like they had a suit on. Some of them were in their boxers. That is no joke. We have all these forms of communication. All these forms of communication and they're great. There's some new ones coming out. One's called the metaverse. And I know some people say, oh, I'm not sure about that. That's virtual reality. It's gonna have a purpose. It's gonna have a purpose for getting the gospel out. You don't have to buy into it, but all of these communications have a purpose. It's for communicating. The only problem is, They'll never 
replace a face-to-face communication. Part of the reason being a phone call. A phone call hides your body language or facial expressions. An email and text message hides your vocal tone and your emotions. Any of you ever misread a text message and thought somebody was mad at you? Yeah. FaceTime, Zoom, Google Meets hide anything that the camera is not seeing. And metaverse and virtual reality, they really hide reality. All these forms of communication are great, but at the same time, the one thing we have to realize is none of these forms of communication replace face-to-face conversation. This is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get the people to remember. You had the prophets. You had the prophets that told you the message that God wanted you to hear. You had the angels. You had the angels that come and spoke to Mary, that come to spoke in Zacharias, that come to spoke to Joseph, that come and spoke to the shepherds, that come and spoke to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. But at the same time, it was still a message passed on by somebody else. We had all these forms of God communicating with his people. But what amazes me the most is this wasn't enough for God. A text message wasn't good enough for God to communicate with you. A phone call wasn't good enough for God to communicate with you. A voicemail, email, snail mail, all these were not good enough for God to communicate with you. So what did he do? He sent himself. He sent himself. And I know a lot of people will say, well, what do you mean there? Didn't he send Jesus? Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, he sent himself. He sent himself. So why did he have to send himself? Why did he have to send himself? He had to send himself because he wanted to explain this right here. As I sit here and I look at this, and as you sit here and look at this, I want you to think about this representing you. This light bulb represents you. Everything about you. Everything that you are. And now I want you to hear why Jesus sent himself. Through Jesus, the world was made. Through an individual, this light bulb was made. This light bulb, which composes of brass, lead, and some sort of little filament material, I'm not sure what it is. Some say titanium, some say something else. But it is all put together to fulfill one purpose. We all know this is a light bulb because somebody's told us. We know it's a light bulb because we put them in and seen how they work. But if we were in a foreign country to where there is no electricity, and guess what? They still exist. If you were to hold this up to somebody and ask them what it is, they'd have no clue. 
I want you to look at the mirror. You know what the purpose of this is. You know why this is created. Why were you? Why were you created? Why were you created? We all have different ideas about why we exist. We all have different thinking about why we exist. And some of us have some pretty messed up views on who we are and what we are. But if you go back to chapter two, or verse two right there in chapter one, and read this portion with me again. Listen to what he says. In the last days, he has spoken to us in his son, who, whom, whom he appointed as heir to all things, and through whom also he made the world. The reason Jesus came to give us the message is because he wanted you to know what this is. Remember, this represents you. He wanted you to know what this is. He didn't want you to have to take some prophet's word for what this is. He didn't want you to even have to take some angel's word for what this is. Reason being, prophets can be corrupted. Angels, angels as well can be corrupted. There's many angels that give off a different vibe or a different gospel that is contrary to what Jesus is. They're demonic. They're evil. They're wicked. And Jesus knew that prophets could fail. Pastors can fail. Preachers can fail. Angels can fail. But he knew the one thing that would never fail. And that was his son. Through him, he created all that exist. Think about that for a minute. Somebody created you. They intricately put you together. You're not a mistake. You didn't happen by chance. And I love how Jeremiah opens up. How he says, while you were in your mother's womb, he fashioned you with his own hands. The reason Jesus came to speak to all of us is because he wanted us to know his original intent for us. He didn't want us to have to second guess. He didn't want us to have to listen to science. He didn't want us to have to listen to the news. He didn't want us to have to listen to politicians. He didn't want us to have to listen to teachers. He wanted to tell the message himself. But not only did he just come to tell us the message, he also came to tell it clearly. Go on and read right there what it says in verse three. And he is the radiance of his glory. The reason I use the light bulb is because what does a light bulb put off? Light. What is light? It's radiance. It's radiance. What is radiance? It's what exposes things. It's what makes things clear. 
Do you ever notice the older you get, you can't drive at night? Anybody else have that problem? I don't care which headlights you get. You can get those new blue headlights where you can see the hair on a frog's hind end. But the older you get, there's something about dark. There's something about speed. And you add rain into this factor, you might as well just go ahead and pull over. No matter what, it does not just seem clear enough. And there's times in our life where it's just like this. We are driving alone in this life. And we are trying to figure out exactly what it is and where it is that we're going. And a lot of times it's hard to see. It's hard to see because of all the things that are happening. The darkness. The absence of God. The rain. The storms. The situations in life. The oncoming cars. The other cars coming at you that don't know how to dim their headlights. Bless their hearts. All the distractions, the deer running from the side, the cat falling out of the tree. Happened to me a couple of years ago. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. But we have all these things coming at us. And there are times in our lives that no matter what, sometimes we just feel like we don't know where we're going. You ever been there? You ever felt like you're in a vehicle, you're just in cruise control, and there's real no purpose, really no purpose for your life? The inventor of the light bulb, a lot of people want to argue who it was, whether it was Tesla, I think it was Tesla too. But regardless, a lot of people want to argue who invented the light bulb. But whoever invented this had to give clarity to what it was supposed to do. If I put this light bulb right here, knowing that this light bulb is supposed to light up everything in this room, is it going to do it? Why not? It's not plugged into a source. It's not plugged into a source. Matter of fact, this light bulb just standing right here is going to do absolutely nothing. Nothing. It's going to sit here. It's going to exist. But if I know what to do with this light bulb, and I know to screw it into a socket, and I know to wire it to 120, and I know to do all of these things, this light bulb will put off light. This light bulb will do what it's created to do. And this is why Jesus came. He came to give you the message of what you need to do. You said it clear. You said it very good. It needs to be a source. And that's the next, very next thing that Jesus said. In verse 3, he goes on to say, and the exact representation, the exact representation of his nature. A lot of people have a lot of different ideas about Jesus. They think that he's not fully God. They think that um, he is a prophet. They think that he is just a very, very wise man. 
And do you realize if any of these are true, then what we're doing here is useless? You ever thought about that? When we minimize Jesus for who he really is, everything we do in our Christian walk is useless. What's the point of praying if there's no one to intercede? You ever thought about that? What's the point of living if there really is no purpose? You ever thought about that? What's the point of existing if all we're gonna do is sit here? And all of these are the dangers of minimizing who Jesus is. The scripture here is clear. He is the exact representation of God. He is the exact representation of who he is. So you know what that means? That means that Jesus came because he knew this thing and he knew you needed a source. You needed a source to tap into because you're gonna have questions. You need a source to tap into because you're gonna need direction. But mainly and fully, you need purpose or you need him in your life and, uh, excuse me, you need him fully in your life because you need a source of power in your life. And what's beautiful about this is he goes on to say, by his words, the power of his words, all these things are held together. All of this is what holds you together. Your creation. Clarity on who you are. And a source of power from which you live. The only problem is most of us aren't listening. We're not listening. We're not listening. Because he has spoke. And he has spoke the words straight from his mouth. He didn't send a messenger to tell you this. If you go back and read verse 10, it says, You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. And they will perish, but you will remain. And they will all become like old garments. And like a mantle, you will roll them up. And like a garment, they will also be changed. But you, Lord, you are the same. And your years will not come to an end. In the beginning, God spoke. He spoke everything into existence. God continued to speak through the prophets. God continued to speak through the angels. God personally spoke through his son. And the one thing that I believe that the writer really wants us to catch hold of today is God continues to speak today. And God is speaking to every one of you. 
Are you listening? Are you listening? What is God telling you? What's he telling you that you are? What's he telling you that your purpose is? What is he telling you is the source of your power? Because what he says is going to make a far greater impact in your life than anything else. Unfortunately, we live in a world today where I can hold this up and say, what, if, what is this? And not everybody's going to agree that this is a light bulb. They're not. They're not. Some people will say that's an incandescent light source. They wouldn't be wrong, but still, they're going to argue with you. Some would say, well, that's toxic to our environment. That's what that is. Some will say, well, that's a waste of valuable resources. But what did the creator of this say it was? It's a light bulb. What does your creator say that you are? Father, I find it funny in our efforts to make communication clear. <laughs> We've only hindered it even more. I find it hilarious, Lord, that with all the inventions that we have, with all the technology that we have, that communication is still our biggest problem. And Father, that's why I'm thankful that you did more than just send me a phone call. That's why I'm thankful, Lord, that you did more than send me a text message or an email or a letter. That's why I'm thankful, Lord, that you sent me your son. I'm thankful for the day that he called my name, Lord. I'm thankful for the day that he called every single individual in this place's name that's been called. But Father, I know you're still calling people. I know you're still calling people to receive the free gift of salvation. I know you're still calling young men to be raised up and to be pastors and leaders in our church. I know, Lord, that you are still calling missionaries to the field. I know you're still calling us, Lord, to be your witnesses wherever we are. But Father, at the same time, I have to confess, even I, sometimes I don't listen. Father, help us listen to your voice because it doesn't matter what this world says about us. What matters is what you say about us. 
And you showed us how much you love us, Lord. You showed us how valuable we are by sending your son to die for us. So this morning, Lord, as we start this journey of going through your word, not only do I pray that it would be clear about who we are, my prayer is that it will be even more clear, Lord, about who you are. Thank you, Lord, for this time to dig into your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.